Hi, my name is Steve Dozer, Community Relations Director with College Community Schools, and I'd like to welcome you to our third season of our Prairie Conversations podcast. Uh, the purpose of our podcast is to provide our parents and school community with some more insight into our schools, staff, uh, programs, and alumni. And today, speaking of alumni, we are excited to have uh, Dean Burrish. Dean is a 1964 Prairie High School graduate uh, who spent his entire career working in the advertising industry in Chicago, Minneapolis, uh, and New York. And then Dean just recently uh, wrote a book titled Teachers You Can't Live Without Them. And uh, we're excited to have Dean here. Dean, thanks for sharing your time this morning. Super. Thanks, Steve. It was really a treat to come back to Cedar Rapids. Jerry and I get back here quite frequently. So it was fun just to come back, but more importantly, and I'll talk about this later, to see what has happened to Prairie High School. Uh, it's so much different, it's so much more expanded, but uh, anyway, more on that later, Steve. Great. Well, first of all, you know, kind of talk a little bit about your early years, yourself, born, raised, and kind of just give us a little synopsis sure. of, of that. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night, no, nothing like that. <laughs> um, I was born in, and raised in outside of Cedar Rapids, but initially I lived in Martell and on K Street before we moved to Waconia Lane uh, and ultimately Fairfax uh, where I was when I graduated uh, in high school in 1964. I had a great time living on Waconia Lane. It was an acreage. Uh, in the backyard we had a, how can I say this, a creek running through the backyard. I was able to go fishing and hunting and I honestly wish every child could grow up in the kind of environment that I grew up in. Unfortunately, today it's been replaced by Highway 30 and 151. That part of the world is now concrete. But it was really uh, just a great place and a great way to grow up as a kid in yeah. grade school. Yeah, so, I, I, I myself is from Fairfax area, and so call that home as well. Yeah. Um, so your education, uh, which I find uh, really cool, is your education began in a one-room uh, schoolhouse. Kind of yeah. talk about what that was like. <laughs> it was the end of Waconia Lane. Uh, it was about a half mile walk from our house and that's where I was started in kindergarten. And it was typical one-room schoolhouse. The kindergartners were all in one row then followed by the first graders, the second graders, and up to the eighth graders. And interestingly enough in my class uh, who I went to high, ultimately went to high school with were Dennis Booth, Amber Strawhorn, and um, just drew a blank, uh, the, the last person's name, uh, Dennis, Dale, or Daryl Sanborn, and Dennis Booth and Amber Strong. Yeah, those were the three. Those were my classmates uh, that I ultimately graduated from high school with those people as well in 1964. Um, there were just four of us. Mrs. D was our teacher. Uh, and I remember spending a lot of time outside on recess. That's what I remember about mm -hmm. kindergarten. So. Um, that's neat. Um, well, so you went from uh, from kindergarten in a one-room schoolhouse and then all of a sudden to a new elementary building at College Community. So talk about that transition a little bit. It, it was pretty scary, to be very honest. I bet. Because all of a sudden, you know, I had to get on the bus in the morning, never ridden on a school bus before. I'm off to first grade. And Joe Coatney, who interestingly enough lived a few blocks down from us, was the bus driver. And it was a big deal, though. I remember arriving at the elementary school, which still exists today. Is that right, Steve? It's yes. still there. Yep. And getting off that bus and sort of intimidated by the size of the building. It was like, this is incredible. You know, we had outside bathrooms before. Now we could go to the bathroom inside the school, running water. It was a complete change. The only thing I really remember about those early years 
um, when President Eisenhower uh, was in 1959, we were all sort of marshaled outside and we spelled out, standing up, I like Ike, because he was up visiting farms in northeastern Iowa, and all of a sudden three helicopters showed up, and one of them circled around, we're all standing there looking up in the sky, trying to get a glimpse of the president, which of course we couldn't right, see. Yeah. But as I like to say in my later life, that's the closest I ever came to meeting a president of the United States. And you know, we have that, did you see that we have that picture here at Prairie? I'll show you that, but it was in our superintendent's oh, office. Oh, I didn't know that. that exact I photo. was one of the kids, along with uh, right, well, Daryl we'll, yeah. and Dennis. We'll and have Andy. to show you. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, well, so I, I guess, uh, you know, you talked about obviously your, your fond memories of, you know, where you lived in, in especially Fairfax area, but, you know, school, jumping on from one room to jumping into a, a big building, as you say, right, back then with running water, but then, you know, overall to graduate in 1964, I guess, what were some of your favorite memories of Prairie? I think some of the favorite memories, which I recounted yesterday to someone from Marion, was winning my last high school football game. Uh, that plus I was on the debate team I was in student council and again in looking back the, the teachers and not that I'm saying they don't do this today but they genuinely cared about the students and if you do elect to buy the book I talk about some of those teachers and the caring that they showed to me but that and I I, I think that was so neat at the time um, Who was the game? Uh, it was against Marion. Marion, okay. Yeah, we'll we won like 13 to 7 yeah. or something okay. like that. Yeah. And something like that you never forget. Right. And that's what Coach Lighty said. He said, this will be your last game, and I just want you to know, this is the only thing you'll remember about playing football when you're in high school. So we better win this game. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. And you did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and we you did. did. Yep. Um, well, okay, so you graduated in 1964, I guess. What issues at that time, you know, you say President Ike obviously flew over, but what, what were some issues in 1964 in that generation that were prevalent in the country or in Iowa or at the time of your experiences? Well, the big one, of course, was when President Kennedy was assassinated. I can remember that announcement. We had a PA. And where were you? Okay. I was in social studies class with Jim Jennings. Mm -hmm. uh, literally, when the announcement came over the PA system about the president had been killed, and that kind of reflected, I think, my whole feeling during that period because there wasn't a lot going on globally. Vietnam had not started, but it was just, it, there, we were at such a good period. I think that was kind of, in my mind, the golden years and looking back of education. It was just a great time to be in high school, uh, just a lot of fond memories of uh, everything that happened during that period. Um, well, I guess upon graduation, uh, you enrolled at the University of Iowa, I believe, and then I guess talk about um, why you chose university and then kind of the degree and how you decided to pursue that degree and, and uh, kind of that career path or that educational path into Iowa. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it was interesting, my family, uh, both my mom and dad went to college. Mom went to Coe College. Uh, and my dad went to Iowa State Was Teachers. that prevalent back then that parents? No. Yeah, okay. No, I was wondering no, if parents went to college back then so much or no, if that was no. not even, okay. No, it was, and they both got what they call two-year certificates because they both ultimately became teachers in their career. But it was really funny. Um, my dad was talking about his college courses and he said he got an A in physics. I said, you got an A in physics? I, he said, well, remember, that was 1929 and Einstein hadn't come along yet. Mm. So it was all about Newton and lever, levels and or, <laughs> levers and things falling out of trees uh, and apples. So it was an yeah. interesting period. But the reason I chose Iowa, I guess, is pretty, pretty simple. When I was a Boy Scout, 
uh, we used to usher Iowa football games. So to me, there was really no decision where I was going to go to college. It was like, oh, I know the road to Iowa City outside of Fairfax or whatever. I'll just, I'll just go to Iowa. It's close. It's convenient. I'll be close yeah. to home. So it wasn't any intellectual decision. Uh, as much as I might like to think it would have been or could have been, it just that was the decision. It seemed like the right place to go to college. Yeah, so it was oh. pretty cool. Well, um, you know, you said your mother and father uh, were, t- were teachers, and then how did that, I guess, impact? You know, with with your book, uh, how did that impact your view of teachers? Just because your parents both taught, correct? Yeah, that's correct. My mom was a substitute teacher here in the Prairie System for a number of years, and I write about that in the book, an encounter that she had with one of my football coaches, which ultimately had a profound effect on my short-lived football career. But the point was, I always thought that, I guess I was taught by my parents to, to be respectful of teachers. Um, they spend a lot of time and effort going to college, getting their educations, doing their things. But so treat them with respect. And that's the way I frankly treated my parents uh, in that regard. So that was, that was sort of the, one of the early learnings for me about teachers, treat them with respect. Um, I guess, you know, one of the reasons, too, that, I mean, what's been great is to have you guys back. We did a tour yesterday, and you got to see the campus. And, and you know, one of the reasons, too, you're back is you, you uh, are talking about uh, your book that you wrote. And, again, the title is Teachers, You Can't Live Without Them. I guess, talk about the book and, and why you wrote the book. Oh, well, first of all, my sister-in-law, or my sister and my brother-in-law wrote books about their family heritage and growing up. Then my cousin, Ernie Burrish, wrote a book who since just recently passed away that was entitled, if I recall, uh, The Advantages of Growing Up Poor. So I kind of looked at that and I said, you know, I cannot really repeat what my family wrote because that's like a different story. So I sort of took a little different tact. And if you buy the book, and I'll talk about that later, it sort of started out as an autobiography, but because of my career and the situation I got into, it kind of morphed into a management book. And I, that was not by design or any thought. It just sort of seemed to came natu- uh, naturally, I guess, is the way to say it, the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. So um, the title was interesting. It was, I guess, Teachers You Can't Live Without Them is, came because that's how I feel. Uh, if you don't think about those situations and your circumstances in your lives, and how teachers, not only in school, but later in your career or whatever you do, can have a tremendous impact on your life and your career, quite honestly, if you listen to what they have to say, right. quite frankly. And, and so many of those impacts, I believe, are private conversations. Yes. You know, they pull you aside, they just give you a little, you know, some support or advice or tough love, absolutely. you know, and those are things people don't see, and that's where the impact is outside of the classroom as well. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, in in your book, too, Dean, you, you recognize a significant change that came about in your life uh, brought to uh, brought about by a Prairie High School teacher, and his name was Ken Marsh. I guess, tell us about that relationship and the impact that Ken had on you. Well, if you read the book, and I'll just give you a, kind of a highlight, I still to this day don't know why he selected me or picked me out. Uh, I was not on a very good trajectory from a growing up standpoint in my life. And he grabbed me one day and he said, you need to shape up. And I just didn't quite realize the impact of that statement. Um, He said, because what you're going to do now in high school is going to impact you the rest of your life. Uh, He had found out about the warrant for my arrest somehow. And it was just like he grabbed me. One funny story to give you some idea, two funny stories. One was 
some students from Jefferson High School showed up one day in our parking lot to sort of start dating some of the girls at Prairie High School. And you can't do this today, and I mentioned this to Steve yesterday, but he went out to the parking lot, and in the book, he, he, it was a double for Tarzan in some of his movies. So Ken Marsh was not your typical wow. science teacher yeah. at all. <laughs> That's impressive. So, and he was very muscular and well-bound, as you would imagine. He had a patch over one eye. And the guys, there were four of them in a car out in the parking lot, and I happened to be looking out ready to get on the bus. And he pulled one of them out of the car right through the car window. Uh, and I will never forget that. The other time he and I were going somewhere, I think to a science club meeting, and he had a flat tire. We had a blowout in his Pontiac station wagon. And I was scared to death. And he just looked over me, held the steering wheel with his left hand, and started poking me in the chest saying, don't tense up. This is going to be fine. And I thought for sure the car was going to roll over. or something. He had wow. so much strength in his hand. So I would love to meet his, I think he had a daughter at the time. Uh, I, never, I met his wife at one point. But just a great guy who completely changed my outlook on life going forward from that day. Yeah, that's terrific. And, and so, you always hope there is yeah, that one. Yeah. There should be always that one person in your school, whether exactly. it's a custodian or yeah. a teacher or a, you know, whoever. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, in your book, too, you describe several passage, uh, passages that uh, you talked about your train, uh, you're on a train of life. Talk about that train, because I find that fascinating, that train of life. What's, talk about those different trains you were on. Well, it was kind of the same train in the sense that I got the idea from my um, my sister's sister-in-law. She had written a note, I think it was in a Christmas card or a holiday card, about trains and how it's a lot like life. People get on a train, sometimes they stay on the train, uh, sometimes they get off the train. And in my case, in the book, I talk about pe people that I met initially who got back on my train later in life. It just seemed like a cool analogy to me to sort of organize my thoughts around a train. Nothing, again, nothing, nothing too uh, too deep or philosophical about that. So. Um, in your book too, Dean, you talked about um, you know taking time to write down or make a list of teachers uh, who have helped you achieve and attain the things in your life that were most meaningful. Uh, you talk about a handwritten note goes a long way to thank a teacher and the positive, you know, and expressing the positively impact they had in their life. I guess talk about because uh, I myself, you know, with kids, you have to write a handwritten note. I mean, you email no. I mean, it's you yeah, just exactly. handwritten notes says everything. So uh, talk about that a little bit. The importance of a handwritten note um, and teachers. You sure, know, list that list of teachers. And, and I think that's if that's that's one regret in having written the book. I wish all the people that I mentioned in that book that I could have written them a thank you note. At the back of the book, I think I list 150 names of people that influenced me. But obviously, I haven't written a thank you note to maybe 10 or 15 of those people. A lot of them have passed on and whatever. Would you say this book is your thank you note? Oh, absolutely. To them? That, that's and a great their way families? To put it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. But my mom started me that. And I'll tell you one quick career story. Uh, I'd gotten to Chicago, and I was a lowly person in the, the media pool. And we had a, the publisher of Time Magazine came to Chicago. There was a huge meeting, five or 600 people, and they had two or three of the editors there. So after that, I was so impressed with those, what those editors of Time Magazine had to say, I hand wrote a note to the publisher of Time Magazine. About a month later, I was summoned to the president's office. Now, I was so low on the totem pole, okay? 
So I get up to his office. I'm scared to death. I'd never met the president. Right. Of the Is this my last day? Or? It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Is he, he going to fit me for roller skates yeah, and right. send me out the yeah. door, or what's going to happen? And I got in the room, and there was the publisher of Time Magazine, the president, and two or three other people. And the publisher started off by saying, he said, you know, you don't know how many lectures, Dean, we've delivered like this all over the world in meetings. Uh, he said, you're the first person we've ever received a thank you note from. And I was just, I, w I didn't know what to say. And it was such a neat experience. It kind of reinforced that whole thing. Uh, it, just the fact that just to say thank you to people when you, when, when you hear something or they say something to you that could impact you. So that's yeah. just one little story. No, but those that. are. So pretty bizarre. Yeah. Um, you also, you know, you encourage people to ask themselves if they've grown today. Um, I guess when you ask people that, what, what do you mean by that? What's the value of that? What did you learn today? Very simply translated, what did you learn today? Uh, I can tell you some stories that we just had recently uh, with a, um, I write about the gentleman in our book, our butcher, uh, his perspective on a couple of things that I never had thought about. Your butcher. Yeah, yeah. The, the butcher. That How was somebody. Great is that? Yeah, exactly. Somebody that I would have never thought I could have learned something from. Uh, but it, it had nothing to do with cutting meat or anything like that. It had to do with his outlook on life and how they should manage a situation. It was like, man, I've never heard any correspondent or know-it-all say it in those kind of words. Yeah. So it's, it's just it's just interesting. If well, you keep, you got to keep your ears open and you know, your eyes. It, it, just like my dad, you know, one of the advice I got through careers all the time, if I was looking at a career changing and. I always remember this. He said, you're the only one to put your head on your pillow at night. Yeah, Meaning this is your decision. Exactly. I mean, you have to do what's best for you. Exactly. Right? That's exactly I'll always remember that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, that's great. Um, so, you know, Dean, you had a very distinguished career in marketing uh, in the United States and internationally. Uh, I guess talk about that journey of your, you know, uh, experiences, both the education process through it, but then more importantly, just kind of talk about your experiences in your work. I had the opportunity to manage and be involved in a number of different cultures kind of all over the world and it's interesting how people look at things differently uh, and it really opened my eyes a lot, especially from a management standpoint. But I don't want to talk too much about it because I want people to buy the book because all the money from the book is going to go to the Prairie High School Foundation. Oh, great. So it, it's yeah. not one of those things where, but it's, as I said earlier, it started out as an autobiography and it morphs into a management book. And it's interesting in number of copies that have already been sold where people pull different things out of that book. Everything about raising their children. That resonates with them. Exactly. And it's always different. I think there are 23 lessons. The book's only 150 pages long. It's not a long read. I mean, my career was not that distinguished, for crying out loud. I just had a lot of good breaks. I had two great bosses uh, who both uh, sort of mentored me, and I learned a lot from them. Uh, and I still stay in contact with both of them. Yeah, that's neat. That's so, but anyway, the book is just, as I said, it sort of morphed into this sort of management book. Um, and it's humorous. It's not written uh, to be some sort of scholarly paper or right. anything like that. It's a genuine. This exactly. is my story. And this, this is the this impact. Is exactly. and this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that's neat. Um, well, you, you know, you've stated uh, you, you kind of, you miss Iowa. Uh, you, you long for Iowa. What does that mean? So you, obviously, you know, you're back today and you guys live in Wisconsin, so you're not too far, right? No, that's exactly right. So, but what does Iowa mean to you? I think the number one thing is the people. You know, everybody's, as I like to say, authentic. And that was, that was always a big deal with me in business. Is the person the same at home as he or she is in their career or their job or whatever? 
And I genuinely find that consistently the people that I have known over the years in Iowa are pretty authentic, genuine, genuine persons, people. And that's what makes me feel so good about coming back here, to meet those people. Uh, we met a bunch of them yesterday that we'd never met before without going into any details. They do a lot of good work for the area around Cedar Rapids. And it was just, again, reinforced my feelings about being in Iowa and whatever. Uh, I list about, as I said earlier, about 150 of those people in the book. I'm sure I left a lot of names out. But if you, again, if you look at that index, just gives you a sampling of those people that, that I miss to this day from that standpoint. So anyway. Neat. Well, you know, as a 1964 alum, you know, and a parent of two children, you know, I always like to say, what, what advice would you give to graduating students? What advice would you give to those sophomores, juniors, and seniors that are starting to think about maybe a little bit of careers or experiences or, you know, things like that? But, you know, and you also raise kids. So I guess what, what advice would you give to our students today? Well, it's interesting because I think that's a, a pretty interesting question. Um, I've got four things that I want to say, uh, four points that I think are, that in my mind are important. First of all, as you graduate and think about what you're going to do later in your life, do something that you enjoy doing. Be happy because you're going to have to work usually a pretty long time. And the worst thing you can do is pick a career or an area that you think you should be doing it because you can make more money. Or your friends tell you. you exactly. That's exactly what your friends tell you. The fact of the matter is I've known too many people who dislike what they did, whether they're attorneys, business people, men and women. Um, that's a big deal. Second of all, take your time making that decision. All right. Don't be in a hurry. If you read the book, you'll see where I'm, my wife influenced me greatly. There were a couple of key meetings, a couple of key situations. Uh, listen to the people around you, but take your time in making those decisions. I think third, um, keep in touch with your classmates from high school. That's one of the things that at the time I never even gave a thought. But if you read the book, you'll see there was one classmate of mine, Dennis Faltis, who changed my life or our lives for my wife and my family. And you don't know who that's going to be in that class, but I can guarantee you there's going to be one or two people in that class that are going to have an impact upon you was later. Was advice you got? No, he's helping just, me select the career that I ultimately just, got into. Just kind of stayed beside you. Exactly. And, and, but I'm saying there, there are people in that class. Uh, some of them you might expect, some of them you wouldn't expect. And my only point is those are pretty good people in that class around you, so keep in touch with them. Um, one third thing is when you've done something and we're in a lucky position is we're going to establish a fund or an endowment for a Prairie High School graduate who goes on to Kirkwood and completes a degree in a trade. Um, he or she will be awarded a grant to put toward the purchase of tools or materials for their profession to help them get started. Uh, we funded scholarships at the University of Iowa but we feel it's we haven't done enough for Prairie High School and where I grew up and where a lot of people come. And I don't think a four-year degree is uh, for everybody. I was really impressed with the pamphlet that Dr. Wheeler gave the other day, which I had not seen, about Prairie Ready, Success for All, More Than a Score. And it really sort of reinforces this point from that standpoint about do something that you're having. Finally, um, if you don't buy the book, which I don't expect everybody to, I think it's $9.95, and I think about 6 or $7 will go to the foundation. 
think about making a contribution to the Prairie High School Foundation. If you come back, like Steve mentioned earlier, Jerry and I were here the other day, this campus is spectacular. It's awesome. What's going on as we walked around to see those students have so many opportunities. And still, as great as this campus is, there's still a lot of unmet needs. We talked about a couple of those this morning going forward. So get your checkbooks out. I don't care if you buy the book, but think about contributing to the foundation. Thanks, Steve. It was a, it's been a great ride. Oh, wonderful. And, and I tell you what, you and Jerry have been amazing and, and appreciate you coming back. And that's the best part is we, with our students, too, is alumni are still Prairie. Yes. No matter what. And they all have a story. Our kids today have a story. And it's just, you just, uh, you always hope there's that impact that, that, that somebody made on their life, uh, directed their life. And, and, uh, and for you, definitely uh, that sure. experience happened. Yeah. So, can they, uh, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming, Dean. And I appreciate everything uh, you've done. And uh, please stop back and see us again. We will do that. We promise all right. you. Thank you. Thank you.